six minutes after the hour. This is the Around the House program. Welcome to your weekend. Nice to have you uh, with us on the program here. We'll be here a couple hours. My name's Ken Moon, and we'll uh, be glad to take your calls if you want to check in with us at 719-473-1240. Uh, it would be... Um, it would be great. We'd love to hear from you and kick things around. We also have live email at aroundthehouse.com. Uh, I hope you've uh, you had a good week. And um, a little more, uh, Chris, on that, please. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's good. My, head lo- my headphone volume here is a little loud. Anyway, good to have you with us on the program, 719-473-1240. I hope you had, a, as I say, have a, had a good week. Now that we're in that interim period between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, of course, we have an extra week because Thanksgiving was so early. Most people, uh, not most people, many people think that Thanksgiving's the last Thursday of November. It's actually the number four, fourth Thursday. It's been that way forever. Usually it is the fourth one, but the retailers get another crack at uh, your shopping dollars uh, this year every once in a while, every Six or seven years, it's a, a five Thursday month. 719-473-1240. And there's some interesting news about EVs this week. I got a couple of articles. You may have noticed, and I don't know when this started, but I guess a month ago or maybe a little more, a more kind of negative news about EVs creeping into the the news. And it's driven, I think, why the car dealers are getting sick of these mandates because people aren't buying EVs. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show, which, you know, we've talked many times about how they're, uh, uh, you know, not not the uh, best the best choice for most for most folks will do that. But in the meantime, this is um, from uh, a contributor to the program named uh, Bob. I won't give his last name, of course. Frequent contributor. <clears throat> the email is called... Why God Made Moms. These this are pretty cute. I think you might enjoy these. Answers given by elementary school children uh, to the following questions. You know, these would be, I don't know, second, third, fourth graders, that kind of thing. Okay, number one, why did God make, mo- make mothers? Well, there's three answers here given by three elementary age children. She's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. I like that. That's very good. Mostly to clean the house. Oops. That's gonna, the guy's going to have a hard time when he gets married. And uh, third, to help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> this guy's going to be a doctor. What ingredients are mothers made of? You know, you've heard of puppy dog tails and little snails. and How does that go? I don't know. You know, like, what are boys and girls made of? This is cute. God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world in one dab of mean. They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly use string, I think. <laughs> that's I like that. What is the little girls are made of something? Snails and puppy dog tails? Look that up for me, Chris. Will you? I, I, I hadn't remembered that for a long time. What kind of little girl was your mother? My mom has always been my mom and none of that other stuff. I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. Yeah, I get that. They say she used to be nice, said a little girl. What did mom need to know about dad before she married him? Well, number one, his last name. Another answer, she had to know his background. Like, is he a crook? Does he get drunk on beer? Uh, Number three, does he make at least $800 a year? Did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? That one's cute, too. 
Why did your mom marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom eats a lot. She got too old to do anything else with him. Yeah, I get it. My grandma says that mom didn't have her thinking cap on when she married dad. I like that. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. Another answer to hear her tell it, she pays bills all day long. Uh, the last one here. If, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? She has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that one. Number two, I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it and not me. Number three, I'd like her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. And finally, this one is really cute. Dear Lord, the preacher began with arms extended and a rapturous look on his upturned face. Without you, we are but dust. He would have continued, but at that moment, one very obedient little girl who was listening very carefully leaned over to her mother and asked quite audibly in her shrill little girl voice, Mommy, what is butt dust? Uh, isn't, well, we are butt dust. Okay. Church was pretty much over at that point. So I, those are kind of apocryphal things. Pretty cute. You got you got it there? Did you send it to me? Oh, oh, Chris, you are an amazing researcher. You really are. Let's see here. What do we have? Oh, what are uh, little boys made of? Uh, sna- let's see. Let's look this one up. Little boys made of uh, 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 snips and snails and puppy dog tails. Well, let's see here. A uh, little girl, sugar and spice and everything nice. Little boys, snips and snails, puppy dog tails. Oh, sugar and spice for little girls. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, now I remember it. Not sure where that came from. Sounds like old England kind of idea, doesn't it, I guess? 19th century. 19th century, yeah. Traditional nursery rhymes. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Chris is an excellent research assistant, a research fellow or something like that. 719-473-1240 is our telephone number, as I uh, indicated. Let's get started here. This is this is something that came up when I was down visiting my son in Phoenix. They have a toilet that is one of those irritating toilets that empties really slowly or or doesn't empty at all and when you're a guest, you're a visitor, it's just, you just hate it. Same thing happened here. Amy sent me an email. We have a toilet that almost always clogs. Plumber came out, augured everything, no change. And uh, my son actually had the plumber snake out the main sewer line. Um, uh, I don't know, Amy, what they did. You say it, he augured the toilet out. Maybe he put a snake down in there. I would have had him remove it. From uh, you know, unbolt it from the floor and from the from the, the the little flange that holds it holds it to the plumbing and turn it over. Sometimes a popsicle stick will get stuck in there, a kid put in, or a comb, or uh, a kid's toy, or Lord knows what could be in there, and it, that could just be partially plugging up the outlet hole. Liquids go down okay, but occasionally toilet paper gets hung up and that kind of thing, <clears throat> um, and. Um, if if he didn't clean out the, the line leading into the floor and down into the plumbing, once he removes the toilet, that would be a good uh, a good thing. Sometimes toilets just get old. They get old from and, and in Phoenix, of course, my son uh, lives in Phoenix, and the water down there is a lot of minerals in it. And after a while, the toilet gets full of minerals, both those little holes up under the rim. Uh, so there's less water to, to start the flushing siphon jet flushing action. 
plus underneath the three-inch hole where the stuff goes out of the toilet and goes into the, the drain itself, uh, it gets uh, crusty uh, calcified minerals there and so on. Sometimes it just... My son, I was gonna. I told my son this already because his house is 26 years old. Sometimes you just got to replace the toilet, get a new one with a new swift flushing action, and get rid of all those crusty cake minerals inside the uh, the, the the drain part of the toilet. Sometimes that's all you really need to do. So if a plumber doesn't doesn't find anything underneath your toilet, Amy, or nothing that's could contribute to a clog, and the sewer line is okay. I think it's time for a new toilet. And toilets aren't all that expensive, so that would be my recommendation. Quarter past the hour, we'll take a break. 719-473-1240. Be right back right here on Around the House. Stick around. I think I told you last week that I visited the Wayne Dalton Sales and Service Showroom, uh, South Murray, 1847 South Murray, just a little south uh, over there by the police station, south of Fountain. And if you think garage doors have to be boring, guess again, they have some wonderful, really beautiful, stylish garage doors. No matter what color is on the outside of your house, no matter what style it is or how old it is, you would love to take a look at the Wayne Dalton Sales and Service garage doors down there. At 1847 South Murray, they have industry-best polyurethane-injected insulation to save energy. And when you mention around the house, they have a sale going on now, 150 off a double door or 75 off a single when you mention the program. And they are a gold dollar a dealer for Genie openers, and they have that door-side uh, opener that gets rid of all the hardware uh, in your garage on the ceiling and so on. So take advantage of the sale, 150 off a double, 75 off a single. Wayne Dalton Sales and Service, call 719-382-9227. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 19 minutes after the hour on the Around the House uh, program. Uh, good to have you with us here. And we, um, we'd we love it if you check in with us, 719-473-1240. Here's a wintertime type question that uh, I uh, haven't talked about this in a while, and it's worth talking about as the winter temperatures settle in around here. We're still waiting. We get at least one of those periods where we get zero-ish weather, right, Chris, for a week or usually February, that kind of thing. Uh, so that's coming. We know it's coming sometime, and that's when things really – any vulnerability in your house when it comes to cold temperatures is really exposed yeah, when you get those kind of temperatures. And here's one from from Richard. I have a cantilever under my tub and shower, and the drain freezes up occasionally. Not every winter, I understand. I've been adding windshield washer fluid during really cold spells, but I need another idea. Well, that's, uh, that's okay. It's sort of an antifreeze kind of idea. Um, but if you go on vacation or forget to do it before you go to bed and it's going to be really cold, uh, that's not something you can really rely on. And, you know, frozen plumbing, especially in a finished room, is, is just such a pain. It can do damage, of course, but fixing it, cutting holes in the sheetrock uh, and all that. Um, if this is a cantilever, then I assume the area where you – and this is kind of a lousy design, to be honest with you, I've with, you know, putting plumbing uh, sticking outdoors over a cantilever. The first thing to do – 
uh, is to um, is to check outside by eyeballing, as we say, that space underneath. Uh, uh, you can uh, sometimes it's fairly easy to pop a piece of plywood off the the underside of that cantilever and look in there. The insulation, of course, and I've seen this; it's relatively rare. But sometimes the insulation will be on the wrong side of the pipes. That is, it's uh, you know not protecting the outside uh, of the pipes. Um, uh, if that's the case, uh, if if it's on the correct side of the pipe and it still freezes up, you could put some heating cable in there, leave it uh, plugged in uh, all year round, and it won't harm it. Make sure it's authorized and and okay uh, for uh, for closed spaces like this. Uh, but th- there's another approach here, and and it, so that's one one way you know just to find out if the insulation itself because drains are relatively warm you know the water from a a tub or shower is warm and if the insulation's on the correct side that usually is enough although in a long cold spell if you're not home maybe you're a snowbird and go to phoenix then of course that water in that trap will will uh, get cold and then freeze up but here's another idea why don't we let a little warm room side air in that cantilever i would go to the inside of the house and where wherever the, that cantilever sticks out you got to kind of measure here and find out where the tub and shower drains are in terms of left right you know you want to cut the right area of sheetrock if we could cut a little vent in the ceiling of the inside room that feeds that cantilever if you see what i'm saying then that would allow just a little warm room air up in there, and that will be just – you don't need a lot because you say it only freezes occasionally. So that tells me that it's not a real chronic area that's got a bunch of gaps and holes where wind blows in. It's just an occasional thing. So you don't need a lot of relief here. So if you cut a little hole in the sheetrock ceiling of that of the room, this is on the inside that would be uh, – if you – if, you know face outdoors you're looking at where the cantilever is on the outside that's sticking out of out of your house um this is the inside room that ha- you have access to the cantilever and you can simply cut a hole where those drains are and put a little grill up there like a little like a heating type grill that we would use for a return air you know it can be white to match the drywalled ceiling and that'll be just enough relief now it, it, just, to let a little warm room air drift up into that cantilever space. Because here's the thing: cantilevers uh, are uh, exist because the floor joists are sticking outdoors. So there's a 16 inch or 12 inch bay between floor joists. If you pick the right bay, then the warm room air will prevent any future freeze ups. This is also a good idea if you have a hose faucet as I do in my house that sticks outdoors, you can do the same thing, a little grill, a little hole in the sheetrock. You know, I say a four by 10, maybe it can be a, 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 oh, I don't know, four by eight, perhaps. Have to go find a grill like at Home Depot or Lowe's that'll fit there and just cut the hole in the sheetrock a little smaller than that. And that'll be just enough. If you had to put two in, no big deal. I mean, they're, they're going to look like they belong there anyway, but that's a, a, an idea uh, that would really help uh, with your occasional freeze up, and if again, if you have if, when hose faucets go outdoors uh, in uh, from the basement, there's a copper pipe in, in older homes 
and and now PEX, we use plastic water pipe now. But they go outdoors, and if there's a cantilever there, then the faucet for the hose is sticking way out 18 inches or 24 inches beyond the edge of the foundation. And that's enough to... uh, to, to freeze things up in the in the wintertime. So uh, you, you really uh, have to worry, uh, guard against that. Now, maybe the builder, when he uh, he or the company put uh, the hose spigot in, uh, it was an open, unfinished basement. And that's no big deal because then, then there's heat out in the cantilever. But you come along, you put sheetrock uh, on the ceiling, and you seal that area up where that hose faucet sticks out or where you're – uh, where your cantilevered drain for your shower or tub is, and you trap that cold air in there. So, again, we let some warm room air waft up in there, waft away, and that should be enough to take care of it. So you wouldn't have to use the heat cable in that case. So I hope that's helpful uh, for you, Richard, because that can be a – the problem is you just don't know when it freezes. So you climb in the shower in the morning, you're late for work, you got to get out of the – got to get going – and then the drains are plugged up from from frozen from frozen water from ice clogging the drain. So hope that's helpful. Let some warm air uh, relieve the uh, propensity for these areas to freeze. Seven one nine four seven three one two four zero is our contact line, and we uh, are would be glad if you would call. You want to check in with us? No, as we said before. We've said many times there's no stupid questions on around the house, whatever's happening around that special place that you call home. We'd love to talk to you about it. Chris, do you have something? No, just um, some sometimes stupid producers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to add some levity, I guess. Or, or you? I thought you had a question. Oh, you're just listening very intently. Oh, I get it. Oh, okay. Sometimes stupid producer questions, but you're, Chris is very... Um, very astute keeps me on my toes as we say as we say let's see what do we have here here's a question from mary i'd like to uh, faux paint my concrete floor in the basement can i use regular latex paint or do i need special masonry paint well like all paint jobs this applies to walls ceilings decks fences and your concrete floor preparation is the deal if there's grease spots on the floor, um, we've got to get rid of those. You know, we want to scrub it well with some soap and water, basically, and a hose and a mop, just whatever it takes to scrub that concrete floor. If there's grease spots on the floor, we use kitty litter and mineral spirits, as we've discussed many times, to get spots off of a driveway. Um, you put a little mineral spirits on there, grind in some generic kitty litter, let it sit for a day or two. And then you can follow it with just use full strength Dawn or Joy in warm water and scrub it with a brush and rinse it and so on. Once the floor is completely dry, you can apply a a primer sealer. Now, I assume you don't want to go to the trouble of doing any kind of a fancy epoxy sealing. If it's a basement, you want to do this yourself, then you want to put a primer sealer on there like Bullseye 1, 2, 3 or K-I-L-Z, kills, we've talked about so many times. And then a good grade of interior latex paint or floor enamel, whatever you would like, right over that primer. Primers will accept pretty much any kind of paint, whatever color you want the uh, the folks to mix up. Maybe you want to mix it up yourself. But the final, of course, the, the, the final touch is an acrylic clear sealer coat. 
that you can get in all kinds of different grades of gloss and sheen but the sealer over that over the paint whatever you decide to paint on there yeah so yeah it's basically it can it can be regular paint uh, acrylic latex uh paint it can be as i say some kind of floor stain or enamel uh, don't forget concrete stain if it's a if it's a it's a raw concrete floor concrete stains work really well and they're acrylic or water-based also uh, and they do a nice job i've used concrete stains outdoors as well as uh indoors so yeah that's uh, that, that it should be an easy job the final touch of course that acrylic clear acrylic sealer is going to make it glow and really give it some depth and some uh perspective and make it'll make the room feel warm and and inviting and so on so that's kind of the story yep paint you, know, you got to scrub it good clean it really really well and uh, then the primer covers up all the the sins of of age and pollution and so on and then followed by whatever a deck enamel or or latex paint you want um uh, or or a stain and then that clear sealer so uh have fun this is something uh, when you you know for a homeowner if you take your time it's easy to do yourself and you'll the results you'll really you'll really like 719-473-1240 we'll be right back stick around We'd love to hear from you, and we have live email at AroundTheHouse.com right here on the Around the House program. You know, I get more plumbing emails and calls than any other topic here on the program, and I found a company you need to call Three Amigos Plumbing, a fun name for a seriously professional plumbing company, veteran-owned, great reputation, and uh, they do water heaters, of course, and dripping faucets and toilets, whatever you want. Give you a free estimate, no hidden fees, no sticker shock at Three Amigos. They want you as a referral to tell your friends and family about them. So, you know, they don't want to, don't want you to have any surprises when the, when the bill comes. You'll like the way these guys operate. They carry Bradford White and Ream water heaters. So if you have any issues with your plumbing, if you're in an older home, you want to get the drains checked before Christmas uh, gets here. They'll give you a free fiber optic exam of your sewer line when they, when you uh, have them clean it. So give Three Amigos a call. Any plumbing issues, especially sewer lines, 719-597-6763. 597-6763, Three Amigos. You know, any furnace can fail at any time, so I want to make sure you get that furnace checked for the heating season we're in the middle of now. And if you haven't, I want you to call Click Heating and Air. 79 bucks is a special price for around-the-house listeners for a complete checkout, safety inspection, cleaning and and uh just just an okay and and a thumbs up for your furnace chances are it's fine but you don't want to take a chance with your family's safety so call click at 719-782-5425 ask about the around the house special only 79 dollars. and they got a couple of other things going on here if you have an older furnace say 20 years or older they're offering up to 2500 dollars off a new furnace and ac combo or a free humidifier with a new furnace installation at click but only for a limited time so give them a call, ask about the special pricing. Click honest, transparent pricing. You'll love the way these guys do it. $79. Call Click Heating at 719-782-5425. 782-5425. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Well, one of... 
uh, to give you the time here, 24 minutes before uh, the hour. Just catching up with some paperwork here. Very nice, very nice. Anyway, good to have you with us here on the Around the House uh, program. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas from all of us. All of us being Chris and myself, but that's okay. Let's see. This is from, uh, who's this from? Oh, from uh, Ted. I heard you say to replace smoke detectors. Does that mean the wired ones also? How do you know which circuit to turn off? Well, those are very good questions, uh, Ted. Yeah, you want to replace, no matter how your smoke detectors powered wired or battery only you want to replace it when it gets 10 years old uh the sensor gets less sensitive they fill up with cobwebs and dust and other pollution no matter how much you clean you don't want to clean you know you don't spend a lot of time or want to do a lot of effort you can occasionally very gently use a furniture brush on your smoke detector if you want to pull some dust and cobwebs out of there but uh, don't go overboard on that. But uh, you should be able to find the date and month of year. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the month and year of manufacturer's smoke detector. Ten years old, regardless of how it's powered, you want to replace it. Uh, so uh, here's an easy way to find that circuit. Now, of course, sometimes uh, if you have an electrician that built your house, that worked for the builder that built your house, if they're very conscientious, they'll say smoke detectors. But if not, there's a, some sort of a pilot light with all smoke detectors, usually green, but sometimes it's red. Uh, depends on uh, you know what brand you have. So at night, turn the hall light off and look up in there, and then you or a partner can go to the circuit box and start turning breakers off. Usually it'd be 15 amp, and pretty soon your partner will yell, yeah, that's the one, and there you go. You can replace uh, you can replace that um, smoke detector uh, if you would like. Now, if you're comfortable around electricity, and I am, I've been around it since I was a little kid wiring plugs and outlets and switches and things. Usually the sm smoke detectors that are powered have just a simple plug, uh, a, li a little of odd-shaped plug and uh, harness that goes into the back of the smoke detector and you can't get a shock off of it because the contacts are hidden. So you simply get on a stepladder, get up on a stepladder, and there's a little, you grab it with your thumb and, and just unclick that little heart wire harness, and it'll pull out of the back of the smoke detector, and uh, it'll be, the smoke detector will be in your hand. Now, the trick here, here's the trick. You got to go like for like. You got to make sure that you have the same smoke detector receptors as the wire harness that's hanging out of the ceiling. You follow me? If you don't, then you do have to turn the circuit off and, and put a new harness in. There's three wires. There's usually a, a black, white, and usually an orange. The orange is the control wire that, that when one goes off, they all go off, and then there's a black and white for the power for the smoke detector. But generally, if you go like KIDA to KIDA, K-I-D-D-E, then the wire harness, that little outlet, uh, a plug, a ma plug, you know, mated. Uh, I hate, you know, we talk about male and female. It'll be the same uh, configuration uh, in the uh, input and the receptor on the smoke detector, and you can't really get a shock off of that. So that's kind of the the story there. You know, if, if, again, uh, it's probably a good idea to turn the circuit breaker off anyway, in case you. You know, maybe jiggle it too much and create a spark. So, yeah, go, go ahead. I, 
I changed my mind. Let, turn the circuit off. Let's do that. And then grab a hold of it. But it, again, you'll have to take a, a picture of that harness sometimes and take it down to the hardware store. And you might be able to find some of these configurations online, like at Amazon and so on, and just take a look. But generally, brand to brand, it'll be a similar wire harness. Yeah. So that's the story. Carbon monoxide detectors, they say oh, every seven years on those. Many of them have a built-in computer calendar in there that'll start beeping when you reach the seven years after it was activated to remind you to get uh, get it out of there. You know that it's it's so funny. It's almost Murphy's Law that when the smoke detector battery is worn down, uh, it, I have an older home that doesn't have wired smoke detectors. Uh, it, it's almost always at night. Uh, it's never like it... At ten thirty in the morning, when you you're ready to you know you can get right to it and so on, it's always at an inconvenient time. And of course, even if you have a wired smoke detector, if the battery wears down, it'll sense that and beep every minute or so until you until you change the battery. So that's kind of the story. Yeah, to answer your question, uh, you you want to uh, make sure that you uh, replace wired or battery powered smoke detectors. Now the battery powered detectors are approved by underwriters laboratory and and all that and and you know they're they're approved by all the rating ag- agencies and so on to be safe uh wired smoke detectors came along in oh i don't know maybe the mid to late 70s pretty much since then uh, they've been dual powered uh, a battery inside and then the 120 volt wiring but i'm my house is 73 which is two or three years before smoke detectors came along. And I have battery-powered detectors that are that work just fine. And by the way, as I've said before, and you're probably going to uh, say I've heard this before, but I have the dual technology detector uh, right by my uh, master bedroom. It uh, has smoldering and flash fire technology built in, an ionization loop and a, a photocell loop that detects both kinds of fires. So... That's what you want. You can find those online uh, very easily uh, or at the uh, at the home centers. Dual technology smoke detectors uh, keep your family extra extra safe. And we remember, as a rule of thumb, we want the carbon monoxide detectors lower in the house, and we want the smoke detectors higher because smoke tends to float up near the ceiling as it accumulates. Carbon monoxide, when you're sleeping, you're vulnerable to it. You want to detect carbon monoxide not high but you want to detect it low and so put those down lower because you want to follow a manufacturer's directions of course instructions go ahead yeah i was just remembering i think i also remember seeing something if if you can't find the date on the uh, smoke detector if the detector itself all of a sudden gets to a gray tinge starts changing color or yellowish yes yellowish yeah that that would usually be a sign wouldn't it yeah usually chris when it gets to that grayish yellowish kind of uh uh, kind of uh non-white you know they started off white now it isn't white anymore off the uh, off the egg white type yeah exactly you're usually way beyond 10 years but that's fine you know hopefully the rule of thumb is you want to test your detectors once a month uh now in some houses with vaulted ceilings, they're 14 feet in the air, and you you, know, you can't really do that. The ones near the bedrooms are the most important. But yeah, um, if you if you t- they, they can still work and be out of date. In other words, it's kind of like a can of soup. It'll say used by, but you can still uh, another year you can still use it. The kind of idea anyway. And um, uh, so 
Um, yeah, but you're right. When it changes color from a pure white to kind of an icky, yellowy, brownish, gray, uh, that's a good sign to replace it. But, you know, as, as long as, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking it's been 20 years plus at least where the dates are stamped on the back of a detector, smoke detectors, yeah. And some of them even have a label on the side. You don't have to take it, unscrew it from the ceiling. You just look from the side with a flashlight. It'll say installed on, yeah. So very that's a good great question. 719-473-1240 on the Around the House program. We'd love to have you uh, check in with us here on the phone. Give us a call or live email at aroundthehouse.com. Hey, how's your house look? You come home from work, turn that corner, come down your street. Is your house kind of tired looking because it's older and maybe needs some new windows, siding, doors? I want you to give Dutch's Home Improvement a call. They'll get your house looking younger than its actual age and you'll be proud to turn that corner, come down the street. But the the bigger point is that it'll be more energy efficient with new vinyl replacement windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. They carry only the best brands, and they have the best installers in town. How do I know that? Well, they've been around over 30 years, and uh, they have a great reputation for customer service, great reviews online. So I want you to call Dutch's at 719-392-1369. With rising energy costs, you got to get those old wood, steel, or aluminum windows replaced and maybe some new siding while you're at it so your house will look younger than its actual years. Dutch's Home Improvement, 719-392-1369. 392-1369. Walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. I just got an email. Thank you, Laura. I just got an email from Carl here. And this is this is brilliant, Chris. Carl says, just change the batteries at 2 a.m. so they die in the afternoon. Ah, see that? There's a guy who thinks outside the box. Well, of course, with daylight saving time, that's the perfect time to change at 2 a.m., you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, watch that. Watch the clock change, right? So change in the middle of the night. So just do the, like George Costanza and Seinfeld. Do the opposite. Change in the middle of the night, and they'll go out in the afternoon. Very good. Thank you, Carl, for that. Let's see. Steve's on the line. Line one. Steve, you're on the air. Hi. What's going on, buddy? Good afternoon, Sir Ken. How are you? Hi there. I'm fine. What's going on with you today? Well, I appreciate your exemplary job on the Falcon inspection. Oh, thank with you. The spousal unit, baby mama, and her brother. Yeah, yeah. Are they happy? Yeah, doing okay? Seems to be. Anyway, I want Good. to ask you something. I'm glad. This is a subject kind of came up. Uh, there's a pretty cool new surveillance cam, light motion sensor, etc. It screws in to the light bulb socket on the porch. Uh-huh. And it, it has really good night vision capabilities. Of course, it's all Wi-Fi. You can look at any time. My question is this. When that switch, of course, needs to be on for the outside porch light, but it also turns on the other two outside lights up the driveway in a garage. Uh-huh. So is there, is there an elegant way? I mean, it's not a big deal. There are LEDs all the way around. It's not a life-changing deal, but is there some way without hardwiring things differently to not have the two lights on a garage turn on when this thing is on? Now, the two lights that are on all the time, uh, what kind of fixtures are they, Steve? 
pitches, hard wire pitches, all three. No, I mean, what kind of what kind of uh, are they decorative or are they utility type? Um, not a combination. You know, they, they look nice. They just keep some light on, and I don't really need those on at night because I put in motion sensor solar lights. They operate on low when they detect motion. Man, they really light up. I was going to so say, I'm trying to think of is there is there a way to put motion detector lights in those two fixtures? That would be the question. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you'll just have to see what I mean. I have motion detector floodlights front and back at my house, but they're floodlights. They're not sure. real pretty decorative fixtures. But that would be uh, one way to do that. Uh, they just come on when they're uh, when they're needed. So yeah, it depends how the wiring here is. If it's it's probably. If I had to guess, you know, the switch, the first fixture the switched leg hits is the one you're talking about with that, uh, that you're, 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 your first part of the conversation where you want this new device, and then followed by the second and the third one. So isolating the two of them would be difficult uh, to do, but uh, using a motion detector uh, fixture in, uh, in, in those would be... Uh, that might be now the one you call about let's back up the one you want to put in your front porch is that motion detector also you said yes and it swivels 260 degrees Uh uh-huh it's got much better night vision capability and it's like 45 bucks so i ordered one thing looks really better than sliced bread because as you know most of the ring doorbell things as we would say yeah are fixed they don't have a wide angle of view they're not very good for in terms of night vision recognition. Yeah. And this thing for 50 bucks, you can get them cheaper if you order them in quantity. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, it'd be 90 more dollars to put the same, the same uh, doohickey, as my dad would say, <laughs> in the other two fixtures. Um, well, then you'd have really great coverage, I guess. That would be another yeah. answer to the always-on light situation. But like you said in the early part of your conversation, Steve, if they're LED, there's not much of a – you're not wasting a lot of energy, I guess. So, Kind of way I look at it. Now, what I'm going to have to do is the light switch, which controls all three, to keep it taped in the on position to provide current. But what I like about this thing, though, there's no messing around with batteries. You just screw it in and program your Wi-Fi. Of course, you can watch anywhere in the world. And it also will put out a horrendous noise tone if there is an intruder up there, like in the middle of the night. Hey, could you have, pretty well can you give device. me the manufacturer's na- uh, name and the trade name of this? I'd like to look this up. Yes, I will send it to you. Okay. But, um, I think you're right. Not a big, big deal since there are LED lights up the driveway on a garage. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, just I'd say there's probably somebody, like you say, that makes a motion sensor bulb to replace the two out in the, on the garage. Um, I, I'm not sure about that. Bec- and it, if, if it's in a decorative fixture, it would be too high probably. But let me, you know what? There's a little research. You've just given me a research project. I, I think there are. You, do you remember, and this is going back 25 years or more, there used to be a dawn to, to um, dust to dawn sensors that you'd screw a light bulb into, right? And But they would make the radio right. buzz and all that and i think there's probably something similar out there yeah but hey send me the name of this new device it sounds like something i would be very uh very interested in yeah so i thought it was a pretty bright idea excuse the pun yeah because of the way it swivels 
and the fact that it's got good night vision capability, and it's it's only powered on when you need it, but it sits in a dormant mode until it senses motion. Yeah, now it, it swivels it spontaneously light. as it detects something? Correct. I'll be darned. That's how I – now I know I'm going to get to watch the deer do their thing in my backyard. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, well, that's – As you buy more of them, the discount's greater. It's like 50 bucks with shipping, but, of course, there's a quantity discount if you're buying like two, three, four, or whatever. So. Where'd, you, where'd you get it? Um, I will look up the website. It is on the lines of uh, screw-in, uh, porch – Light and alarm, something like that, but I'll send it to you. Yeah, good, because I want to pass it on to the audience. That's a good, that's a very good tip. I appreciate that. Thank you, Steve. Always good to Thank hear you. hear from you. Steve is a okay. uh, is a wonderful uh, high-time uh, pilot that is a friend of mine, and uh, he's a good guy to, as a resource. You know, we kick things around a lot on the air and by email off the air. Thank you, Steve, for your call. It's a couple minutes before we have to take a break here. What else do we have here? Oh, yeah, this is... Uh, this is going to be a quickie. Uh, this is from uh, Stan. Let me see here. I have a couple of doors won't stay put. They swing open by themselves. Have to use a doorstop. Do you have to, to call a carpenter? Uh, um, well, uh, no, you really don't. You can do this yourself. This is an old trick that a trim carpenter told me about years ago. Take out the middle door hinge pin, or if you only have two hinges in your door, the lower one. And take the pin out, lay it on the on the concrete floor in the garage, and give it a smart whack with a hammer. Not too hard, uh, because you'll you don't want to bend it too much. But you're putting a microscopic curve in that hinge pin, and you put the hinge pin back in. It creates just enough friction uh, to keep the door in one position. If it swings, uh, you say they swing uh, open uh, by themselves. You know if if you. In other words, if you don't latch it, it'll swing open. I, I get it. It's kind of a pain uh, a pain in the neck. Uh, I think you meant that backwards. If you use a doorstop, it's because it swings closed. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Sam I, Sam, I see where you're going here. So you deform the hinge pin just a little bit with a hammer. Give it a whack. You might have to do it a second time and a third time. It really works well. It's a magic thing without having to reset the hinge and put new screws in and all that. So... Give that a a try, Stan. I think you will uh, you'll uh, you'll like that. Lisa says this past week I slipped on some ice in my front walk. What can I use instead of salt? You can use some generic kitty litter, but you got to clean it up because it swells up when it gets wet. Uh, one of my listeners swears by regular bird seed. She says it prevents slipping. I've never done that. Bird uh, bird uh, seed prevent slipping but the cleanup is automatic because the birds will eventually find it i like that idea so there you go 719-473-1240 the hour is over part two right after the news uh, so stick around we'd love to hear from you don't forget the podcast aroundthehouse.com listen to podcast the program is podcasting going back uh, almost 18 months now we'd love it if you do that we'll be back uh, after the news at the top of the hour right here on Around the House 719-473-1240 give us a call
Around the House uh, program. Chris has been busy sending me little links to some of these motion detector camera. There's several uh, you found, right, uh, Chris? Yes. Several versions, yeah. And they're all, I, I haven't I haven't really looked at any of them with any degree of uh, detail here, but they're not terribly expensive, right? Um, it's it varies you know there's sometimes they're focused more on the camera some that are more focused on the light yeah uh, and you know i mean some of you could just screw into a, uh, uh where a light bulb would normally be and then all of a sudden you got some of those models that are like between 20 and 50 bucks yeah not terribly terribly expensive well i'll i will look at those after i go off the air i wanted to steve if you're still listening i meant to say, say this he said he had to put some tape over the switch to remind him not to turn it off. Well, you can get plastic switch guards. I've got several in my house on light switches I want to stay on all the time. They're a little round plastic guard. You remove the two screws that hold the plate on and put the screws through this little plastic device, screw it back in. So it makes a little round, clear plastic guard around the switch. You can still reach in from the side and turn the switch on and off if you want to. But that way, you're not going to inadvertently turn it off. You don't have to have any duct tape or anything on it. So that's um, uh, that's that's a, a good way to do that. Switch guard. They're I don't know. You they're they're ter- they're very inexpensive at the hardware store. I've seen them, and of course online. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty on the Around the House program. We're glad you're with us. I started to talk about the podcast. Our podcast. We just got the report in from November. Uh, we're the top three here in the station for Around the House. Thank you for listeners for doing that, and uh, I'm very grateful. So we're still a numero uno here, Chris, at the at the station. Podcasting, of course, has become a bigger and bigger part of radio broadcasting, uh, and it's no longer just listening. You know, on on the AM receiver, terrestrial radio podcast is a big deal, and uh, thank you for for, for uh, perusing those and downloading those, you can go to my website, aroundthehouse.com, and click on Listen to Podcasts and listen right there on your PC or download them into your iPod, whatever you want to do <clears throat> at um, aroundthehouse.com. It'll take you. You can also go to the krdo.com radio site slash podcasts, I think, something like that, and uh, and hook up that way. So, yeah, the podcast, they're going back uh, almost 18 months now. Uh, here uh, on our Colorado Springs-based program. Uh, my Denver-based program, they go back to, uh, like there's like 400-plus of them going back to like 2000, 2015 or 16. You can find at Apple Podcasts if you want to go way back when I was just a young kid in those days. <laughs> Not really, but uh, you can listen uh, back in the good old days, so to speak. You know, what do they say? The good old days is right now. Wherever you happen to find yourself, it's a it's a good a good place to be, right, Chris? Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. This is from uh, Ray. I don't see these very often anymore because a lot of people don't have wood burning fireplaces. But Ray says, on windy days, the smoke comes back in through the front of the fireplace. Um, can anything be done about this, or just don't build fires on windy days? Well, uh, uh, two or three things here. You. You, you may want to, if it's been a while since you've had a chimney sweep, come look at your situation. They can run a fiber optic camera through there. They can just do some general inspecting and cleaning. If there's a lot of material in there, creosote and things, you want to make sure your fireplace is safe. Um, you want to make sure the outside of the stack, there's no blockages. 
no bird's nests up there or anything, um, uh, you know, that would prevent it from drafting properly. It may need a metal cap or extension on top. Sometimes that helps. It'll change kind of the wind currents uh, and create a little more of a vacuum in the chimney to suck. Uh, if you have a, just an open flue right up on the top of the roof now, uh, Ray, you might want to have them put a, a steel cap or up there um, uh, just to uh, provide a little more uh, a little more vacuum. As I say, when wind blows sideways uh, through that uh, the, the chimney cap, it'll create a little bit of a suction to pull smoke out. Um, and um, y- you might need a little more air in there. You know, when you run a, when you burn wood in a wood fireplace, thousands of cubic feet per minute of air roars up the chimney, and you need to replace that air with something. You don't want to deplete the inside air of your home. So, if 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 the, if you, if it's a smoky situation as you're describing, see if cracking a window, just barely cracking a window somewhere in the vicinity of the fireplace helps. If it does, then you know you have a makeup air problem. That's, uh, there's not enough air going in that fireplace to satisfy it. Now that we break down air, and I want to get too, too uh, uh, down in the in the weeds here with this, but when you whenever you burn something, whether it's natural gas in the furnace or wood in the fireplace, you need combustion air and you need makeup air. And combustion air is the oxygen required to burn the wood or burn the natural gas. And that's fine. You understand. But uh, makeup air is the air needed to replace whatever's being blown out of the house. And as I say, when you're burning uh, logs in your wood fireplace, you're, you're exhausting lots of air up the chimney to draft that smoke out of there. And you need to replace that air. And if the, if your house is sealed up really tight with storm windows and caulking, storm doors and things, there may not be enough air getting in the house when you're burning that fireplace. And the way you tell is if the fireplace is a little smoky and you crack a window in that room and all of a sudden the smoke disappears, you know you have a makeup air problem. And you can uh, you can if you want to always open a window when you're burning the fireplace, that's fine. But you might want to talk to your HVAC furnace contractor because you may have air starvation going on in the furnace room with the water heater in the furnace. And he could, uh, he, I say he and generically, you know, the HVAC contractor could might provide a little more makeup air input for the house uh, that could satisfy furnace, water heater, clothes dryer, because a clothes dryer also exhausts a lot of air. Bath fans do, kitchen fans uh, you can provide a little more makeup air to the house. Maybe it's sealed up a little too tight. It would satisfy the fireplace too. So there's, a, you know, I've given you a lot, of, lot to think about, but you don't want to pull smoke and or fumes from the fireplace uh, into the house uh, because you don't want carbon monoxide in the house. That's the bottom line here. And if you starve the house for too much air, it could pull air down through the furnace flue pipe or the water heater flue pipe and maybe get a little more uh, uh, harmful gases in the house. So it's, it's a little complicated, but the real test is when, you, when, the, when the fireplace is smoking and you crack a window and it goes away, you know you have a makeup air problem. If it doesn't go away, you've got a chimney problem, which a chimney sweep could come and kind of check it out for you. you know, what, what's the normal life expectancy of a chimney flue? Um. Pretty much lifetime. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if the clay tile flue liners that we used in the old days, they pretty much last uh, 
Uh, forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't sure if some of the, like if you got the metal tubes, sort of like uh, like an air uh, HVAC duct or something like that, uh, as your inner tubes or something like that. If some of those tend to break, uh, wire. Um, well, I mean, like I think that. the life of a you know most of those are stainless steel, so they, they last a long, long time. But you're right, metal, of course, is not as long lasting as clay tile uh, a flue would be and, and the brick around it and the concrete blocks around it but it needs to keep be kept clean and you need to keep the water out too there's another thing chris if you let a lot uh, oh and this is for really older houses i mean really old houses uh, if a lot of water gets in and, and can with rain and snow get in the chimney chimney of the fireplace it can start to break down some of those masonry products. So it's a good idea to put a chimney cap on there, but it needs you can't just put a, any old one up there. It's got to be sized right to get it, get enough opening to draft the smoke out of there. So that's all a chimney sweep company here in town. There's a company, uh, not the only one, but one I like, Dr. Soot, which is a great name. Uh, they can come in. They have a fiber optic camera. They can take a look what's going on down there. Sometimes um, there can be some breakdown of the masonry in there and we're in a really old house and they could spot that with a camera. Yeah. But generally speaking, pretty much, um, uh, pretty much I say forever, but for many decades, let's put it that way. 719-473-1240 right here on Around the House. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll be right back on Around the House. Well, if you need plumbing done at your house, I know you dread calling a plumber because they overcharge, and it's just not a fun thing. Well, I want you to call Three Amigos Plumbing, a fun name for a professional plumbing company. Uh, they have a great reputation, veteran-owned, but they you don't get sticker shock with Three Amigos. Honest, upfront pricing, no surprises when you get the bill because they want you as a long-term customer, and they want you to recommend them to your friends and family. So they have the best prices in town, by the way, water heaters, Bradford White or Ream water heaters. Ream's my favorite, by the way. And uh, so I want you, if, if it's a water heater issue, don't pay extra thousands for a water heater when you can call Three Amigos Plumbing. 597-6763. And one of their specialties is sewer line cleaning. You don't want to get caught short at the holiday with a uh, with a bad sewer line when Christmas comes up, give them a call. 719-597-6763 for the professionals. You'll love these guys. Three Amigos Plumbing. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 20 minutes after the hour on the Around the House. Program a shout-out to our friends, up there in Casper, listening on KTWO. We're glad you're with us here. I know the uh, show is time-shifted up there. It's on at 4, which is our old time. Uh, we're, uh, the live show is on at 1, one o'clock mountain. Uh, and um, uh, and if you um, want to call in, that would be the, the time if you're in Casper. Thank you for listening up there in Casper. I have a lot of friends. I used to go up there every year for that great home show in the spring, uh, and I really enjoyed uh, doing that let's see what do we have here thank you uh, ktwo for carrying the program um this is from uh bev and she says that we moved our refrigerator when we we're doing some remodeling ever since it makes a racket what can we do well i hope it's as easy as this you may have jarred or there's a little cooling fan in there that runs whenever the compressor's running to, to run air through there to cool down the compressor um 
the thing, first thing I want you to do is unplug it and then move it out as far as you can and lie on your side there with a flashlight and there's a, you know, try to spin that little fan by hand and hopefully you'll hear a tick, 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 tick kind of sound and you would just need to bend the blade slightly one way or the other to clear them as they go around. Uh, there's a little guard there for those. Uh, while you're back there, you'll see a bunch of air, a bunch of dust from the air blowing back there. Big dust bunnies and clods. You want to get a, a, a furniture brush uh, or a little furniture wand, rather, and a shop vac back there and get all that dust and crud out of there. But hopefully, um, that's all. If it's the compressor, a more of a deep throated noise, uh, you'll need to call a, a service company. But I'll bet you it's just a little issue with that. Um, with that air circulation fan back there, but spin it by hand, you can tell in um, uh, in no time. Uh, well, I want to revisit the fireplace thing. Chris and I were talking off the air. Uh, I was discussing when I was discussing the um, uh, the fire wood fireplace. Uh, I think our emailer here, uh, I think it was Stan, uh, was a. I could picture he was talking about a regular masonry wood-burning fireplace, the old-fashioned kind with a clay flue liner. The only reason I'm thinking it was that way, Chris, is because um, most of the the pre-manufactured fireplaces that are made of steel, we'll talk about those in a moment, have have their own input of air from directly from the outside. So it's usually with these old houses uh, back, oh, I don't know, in the mid-70s and earlier where we had all masonry fireplaces. We built them by hand out of concrete block and and clay flute liner as we discussed and brick and brick hearth and brick surround and a brick uh, you know just just a total uh, brick presence inside the house like in the family room uh, we had the, uh, the, um, the the veneer on the wall and then the brick hearth underneath and a brick chimney outside those are kind of like your your grandfather's masonry fireplaces, and those usually are where these combustion air problems are. You were asking about metal fireplaces. In the early 80s, again, it's, it's sort of fuzzy in terms of time. All this time has gone by. We started going to steel fireplaces. They were pre-manufactured because building things by hand, brick masons are, got a little expensive. And so we went to, to steel. Um, they had a steel uh, flue line or steel chimney, actually, triple wall. They had actually uh, three layers of steel for cooling purposes and a steel firebox that had uh, kind of a stone facing on the inside and two layers of thick steel on the outside so we didn't catch the house on fire. So those became popular in the early 80s. So they were metal wood-burning fireplaces and a lot of people converted those to gas but that's what you were asking about i i haven't run across any cases of those rusting out or corroding but i suppose it's it's possible uh those come with a built-in chimney cap so we generally don't let water get inside there in the first place the old masonry wood fireplaces the flue is wide open to the elements so that's another issue but um i mean it's worth as with all wood-burning fireplaces, it's probably a good idea to have those looked at with a fiber optic TV camera also. But I don't remember any cases where they had actually broken down from moisture, but I suppose it's possible. Steel can rust. 
but the the steel they use in these is fairly thick and substantial. Yeah. So right. does that help you? Yeah, that does. Uh, um, I mean, is there like um, obviously they have to uh, adhere to certain fire codes so they don't have to um, uh, so they're not susceptible to uh, something faulty happening or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, they're called zero clearance. So uh, any framing, like two-by-fours and things, uh, you can zero clearance right up against them. So uh, by the, having the triple-walled chimney and the double-walled firebox, they're generally run cool enough that they don't affect anything from a fire safety uh, standpoint. Uh, but they're not a, the real masonry type. We, we build those by hand, and they're, they're, they got you know fairly... Uh, elaborate and take a long time and expensive so we went away from those into um and so you know plaster when i first came along in the uh, building uh building homes back in the uh, early to mid 70s we still talked about plastering contractors that would do actually plaster walls inside the house before drywall came along and then they incorporated stucco into their routine because they were still plastering it just sort of on the inside it's on the outside and of course brick masons were a big part of our every house uh, of you know any kind of value that a reasonable reasonably priced home you know in middle class kind of thing had a, a, a fireplace and if it was a uh, in, in that era, it was a masonry fireplace. We didn't have any steel fireplaces. Either the house had a masonry fireplace or it had none at all. So, uh, th- But those trades, plastering, brick masons, have kind of disappeared, and it's kind of sad in a way. I remember when I was a little kid, there was no drywall, no sheetrock, so houses were plastered on the inside, and, uh, and those plastering guys, they'd put uh, two or three layers, they put some... Uh, wire mesh or lath and these strips of wood uh, to hold the plaster that would grip the plaster as it went on wet and then hardened. And then we went to kind of uh, what looked like sheetrock, but it wasn't gyp board uh, lath that had holes in it. And so we were doing that up until the mid-50s, plastering houses. Uh, and the, the guys wouldn't be plastered, but they would plaster the houses. And well, some of them were actually, but anyway, so yeah, uh, so those they were artisans. They could do curves and all kinds of pop-outs and decorative elements in their plaster. It was really an art to watch those guys. But you know, I was a a young squirt and would always ask questions and find out what was going on there. Uh, let's see here: seven one nine four seven three twelve forty. Here's an, a quick email from Donna. I had my basement finished. A contractor did it. When I use the washer or microwave now, the lights dim. Uh, should I be worried? Um, this may or may not be related to the finish work. I mean, maybe if they put new light fixtures in, they brightened up rooms, and you may be noticing it more. It was happening before. A little dimming uh, when appliances start up is kind of normal. I, I don't know what a little is, uh, but I would have the um, the electrician that work for the contractor that finished the basement uh take a look at the connections and make sure just bless everything and it's okay Uh, also if you're worried about excessive dimming it's always a good idea to call the power company the electric company whether you're on uh, maybe uh rea out out there you know black hills and those kind of people uh or whether you're in a city power company like we are here it's a good idea to have them check again with dimming issues 
and it's a good idea to have them check their connections in the electric panel in the meter box because sometimes those wires can work loose especially the neutral wire and so they'll come out for nothing and make sure everything's okay they won't check inside the house because they're they're uh, they're uh they're kind of purview stops at the meter but they can check those connections go ahead doesn't stuff like uh, uh washers and dryers usually have their own circuit anyway they uh, do right uh, but that circuit of course is fed off of the main uh, panel in the house so it can affect other Adjacent uh, circuits. circuits. Adjacent circuits. Right. Yeah, just from an overall power drain standpoint. But just very briefly, when motors start up, there's a surge current that to start the motor spinning. Uh, this applies to central air conditioners, Even washing cars. Machines. Yeah, I mean, just when you're starting the engine in your car too. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, and and uh, washing machines because they're under a lot of load with all that water in there when they they cycle on and off. Uh, it's not so much microwave. I'm surprised she said microwaves because they don't draw a lot of power. Well, I, I shouldn't say never. Uh, so it's a good idea when you get some dimming. But any time an appliance starts, there, there's sometimes if you really stare at a light bulb, there's some dimming. I'll tell you where you get a lot of dimming is a heat-producing appliance. Clothes iron. Now, people don't use clothes irons as much as they used to. But when that cycles on and off, you really will see a dimming because they can be 1,500 watts. And there's a lot of... Uh, voltage drop when they start up so uh, you know what what's a lot of dimming and a little dimming generally the rule of thumb is if it goes away quickly just momentary it's usually okay if it dims and stays dim eh, maybe not so yeah it's this is all a uh, grist for the electrician's mill uh, especially on, on our emailer here who just had her uh, basement uh, finished okay 719-473-1240 we'll be right back with your Phone calls and some email. Some We have some great email to finish the show with right here on Around the House. Stick around. If you look at the front of your house, in most cases, the element that takes up the most room, if you will, or square footage, is the garage door. And if it's an ugly old garage door, your house doesn't put its best foot forward. I want you to get a hold of the folks at Wayne Dalton Sales and Service because they're a new wood grain employee. Uh, Impression plank doors. I've seen them at their showroom. They're absolutely beautiful. And you can spiff up the exterior look of your home by putting a new garage door on there from Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. Of course, they're they have the industry best polyurethane injected insulation. So garage doors, what I'm trying to say, they don't have to be boring. Stop by the showroom, 80, 1847, 1847 South Murray just a little south of Fountain, and check out these beautiful garage doors, Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. And they're having a sale right now, 150 off a double or 75 off a single door when you mention around the house. Wayne Dalton Sales and Service, 1847 South Murray or 719-382-9227. When talking about click heating and air, they have a sale going on right now to get your furnace checked out. You need to do this every year. Get your furnace inspected and cleaned and a safety check from click heating and aired only $79 if you mention around the house. And it's a special price for my listeners. Any furnace can fail at any time. So get this done for the remainder of the heating uh, season. Honest, transparent pricing at Click. They have a great website, interactive website, where you can actually find a price for your furnace and air conditioner right there. If you need a new one, right online, clickheatingandair.com. And they have a special going on now, 2500 off a furnace AC combo or a free humidifier with a furnace installation, but only for a limited time. So I want you to call Click 
782-5425. Ask about the $79 furnace cleaning and checkout special when you mention around the house. Click Heating and Air, 719-782-5425. From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Uh, happy Hanukkah. To everybody listening from uh, all of us here at Around the House, Chris and, and myself and all of us here at the station, and we're so glad you're with us, 719-473-1240. Uh, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about floor squeaks, uh, that or for, pops, whatever noises, clicks, whatever noisy kind of noise you have in your floor at home. Uh, they're, they're pretty irritating, and you can we can break these down basically by category. If you can get to the floor underneath... Of course, it's a lot easier because then you can apply maybe a little L bracket and screws down there to suck the plywood uh, down closer to the floor joists. I've seen people use squirt glue under their floors or, or squirt some graphite lubricant is another uh, thing you can do to stop that from underneath. But generally speaking, the floor issues are up on top and uh, we can start. You can, you can, again, try lubricating from up top. There are some products online that you can squirt between floorboards and a laminate floor or a hardwood floor that have a little liquid carrier. And, I, and when they dry, I think they leave a residue behind of some powdered kind of lubricant. Also, just plain old graphite that you would squirt into a lock. You know, when you uh, and a lock gets old, you want to lubricate inside graphite powder. Uh, you can squirt it. I've seen people do this uh, between floorboards and just brush it in, let it settle in there. And sometimes if there's a little rubbing that's taking place, uh, that noise will go away. But generally, of course, floor noises, squeaks, and pops are more serious because usually it's the underlying floorboards that are causing the trouble. If it's a plywood or OSB, uh, which is the, the strand board, the, the chip board, if you will, particle board, uh, we used to use plywood up until plywood got too expensive, but it's rubbing on the floor joists. Those kinds of issues, you have to be, uh, be a little more serious about it. Of course, the ultimate way to fix a floor under a carpet is to have a carpet layer come unhook the carpet and flop it back and start putting deck screws up and down uh, into floor joists directly with your with your power screwdriver. And that's the ultimate way if, in, to do that, but it's requires getting a carpet layer in there and uh there's uh so uh th that's and, and of course hardwood floors you can't exactly roll those back and fix them either but there's some there's a product there's little kit repair kits you can find hardware type kits one is called squeak no more that has a little bracket and screw system where you put the bracket in the carpet and you run the screw right down through the carpet and when the, there's enough tension on the screw, there's a little score mark on the screw. So the screw head breaks away and the screw's right down in there and sucking that. Uh, so, so when you sucking that uh, floorboard into the floor joist is what I'm trying to say. And sometimes that floor noise will go away. And you can run this through Berber carpet or regular plush carpet. It's a kind of a, it's, it's hard to describe on the radio. It's kind of a three-sided bracket that you, you tap into the carpet and the screw goes right through the bracket. You can also use that in hardwood floors. You drill a pilot hole first and put the bracket over the over the hole 
and then that screw uh, use a different screw in a different part of the bracket, but it breaks away also, and then it leaves a little. Uh, there's a little recessed where the screw break broke away. There's a little space, and you can put some wood putty over that, and 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 do it that way. So the Squeak No More product is a good one uh, to look for online. It's not terribly expensive. It's a floor bracket you use from up above, and if that doesn't work, of course, you're if you have a carpeted floor. You got to call a carpet layer and come in there and take a look at it from underneath the carpet and the pad. But uh, so you know, you just kind of what you got to. This is one of those things, trial and error. Basically, it's trial and error. But floor squeaks and pops. Sometimes they come and go seasonally with the humidity, temperature. Uh, you know, hot, hot, particularly humidity. That's why I like humidifiers because uh, they can. Uh, keep your hardwood floors healthier. That is, uh, the higher humidity in the house uh, can make sure that they're uh, haven't shrunk uh, and they're they're not pulling away from the boards, pulling away from each other, which can cause rubbing and noises and so on. So I like a humidifier in the wintertime when it's extra dry here. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Did you? Go ahead. Well, I just you know we just recently had uh, pulled out some humidifiers there we, we've been dealing with some coughing and stuff like that and we were trying to get some extra um circulation in the in the house there too yeah, so that yeah. kind of humidifier kind of works out that way does too. it help uh, yeah, yeah yeah uh but you know what <clears throat> humidifiers used to be and, and this is long gone but there used to be a little reservoir with a rotating uh sponge mm-hmm. uh and, and but the problem is those things filled up with Mold spore, bacteria, germs, and everything, and allergens and everything. These modern humidifiers, like the April Air, which is what I have in my house, they're self-cleaning. Right. And so they just sit there and clean themselves, but you get that. that. And I think you've heard me say this before. You run, run the furnace uh, a blower 24-7, you get extra humidity in the air. But it does help with scratchy throats like I have right now. And, of course, the humidifier... In this building's probably minus twenty eight or something, right? It's kind of <laughs> let alone let alone the uh, the air quality. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's funny. Broadcast. I've been hanging around radio studios my entire life. Uh, with all the equipment in here, there's a lot of dust and dirt that gets in the the hot parts of the equipment and the and the insides of the computers and all that. Yeah, uh, it can be a dusty environment, can't it? Um, it's yeah, let's put it this way. You wouldn't want to do a lot of surgery in a typical radio studio or control room, right? Because there, there's quite a few dust devils. There, there. Yeah, a little nasty, but we love it, right? It's, 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 it's a down and dirty environment, which, you know, it's kind of, you get used to it, I guess. Although the scratchiness <clears throat> comes and goes with me. We're not trying to criticize you know, our station management or anything, but they do the best they can. But it's a dusty environment in right. here. And uh, now that I've gotten everybody feeling sorry for us, we can move on, right, Chris? Right. Uh, and, in case if you're like renovating a home f- a kitchen yeah. floor or something like that, maybe the idea of uh, if double checking uh, the subfloor uh, if you, if it looks a un- little unlevel or something like that, some would um, possibility of like adding some shims around some of those joist areas with that. You can. Uh, I've I've seen. Uh, I had a. Uh, I don't know who this is, a carpenter or framer or somebody, floor guy. Uh, he, he says he's had luck. If you can get underneath, right. you can take wooden wedges, just regular old, you can split them with a hatchet and make little wooden wedges, dip them in Elmer's glue and drive them right under the floorboards. And when that glue dries, 
you, you get relief that way. That's another another trick. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I thought you were going a different direction. When you're replacing your carpet, is the time to be really critical about floor noises because once once that uh, the the guys roll up the old carpet and pad. Uh, then you have an opportunity to walk around, prance and dance, as we say, with the bed gone and the dressers gone. And when you move furniture, that can really expose a lot of floor noises too. So uh, when the carpet between the old carpet and the new carpet kind of prance around the room, and if you hear floor uh, noises, you know you can get your old drill out and do it and, and start walking down those floor joists. The three-inch uh, deck screws are the best screws to use. Two and a half, maybe, uh, would be all right. And go right down those floor joists until the noises are gone. Sometimes when you do that, you transfer the noise to a different part of the floor. But through trial and error, you can get that gone. So anyway, um, maybe we need an air purifier in here. huh, Chris, I was just thinking about that. Uh, huh? What do you think? Maybe we get that as a Christmas gift. Yeah, maybe you take the handkerchief off your nose so I can see you. <laughs> anyway, from uh, from our radio studio to you, we're so glad you're with us here. Uh, it's it, we are clean in here. It's just a little tends to be a little dusty, and this time of year, I, I get a little sensitive because of the dry air and stuff. You know, I'm sure you do. Uh, you do also. That's why those humidifiers in the houses really do help a lot, and good furnace filters. Uh, we need maybe some better filters in here. I suppose that's enough complaining. We love it here, don't we, Chris? This is our. It's our home, 719-473-1240 from the studios of KRDO in Colorado Springs. We're glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. We'll be right back. Stick around. Give us a call. Don't forget live email, aroundthehouse.com. One of our loyal sponsors here on the program is Dutch's Home Improvement. Been around over 30 years here in town. I know you've seen Dutch's name. They are the go-to folks for new energy-efficient vinyl windows, siding, patio covers, doors. Uh, in other words, they'll make your house look younger than its actual age, and they'll save you energy. You know, new windows from Dutch's will save you money summer, and especially here in the wintertime with natural gas prices on the rise. Replace those ugly old wood steel or aluminum windows with Dutch's Home Improvement Vinyl Replacement Windows. They have the best installers in town. And Gary, the owner over there, is really committed to customer service because they want your referrals. That's why they've been around over 30 years, because they do it right. Dutch's Home Improvement. Siding, windows, patio covers, doors, whatever you need. Give them a call and your house will look younger than its actual age. You'll be proud of it. And uh, and you'll save energy at the same time. Dutch's Home Improvement. 719 719- 392-1369. 392-1369. From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Thank you, Laura. It's 10 minutes before uh, the hour on the Around the House program. Remember the podcast? Chris will have the podcast of today's program up within a couple hours after we go off the air and we've gotten quite a library there going on 18 months worth at um, the krdo.com slash radio website or you can go to my website aroundthehouse.com by the way i want to mention uh by the way you can click listen to podcasts and download it download them uh, right there segment or by segment and but i want to mention too during the week if you want to email me as uh, people do as you can tell you can do that the second button from the left it says contact ken and set up a little dialogue try to keep the questions one topic per email 
short and sweet if you can. And sometimes I know you can't. There's a long backstory and so on. But uh, And I'll set up a little dialogue with you. I'm very good about answering emails. And uh, so you know, I'd love to do that at aroundthehouse.com. Uh, There's also some uh, hundreds of my columns in there. There's, there's a keyword search. A lot of the stuff we talk about here on the air, uh, under show stuff, and there's other stuff in there. You'll just see it uh, at aroundthehouse.com. There's a listen live button so you can listen to the program uh, as it is broadcast live from anywhere, uh, as they say, on the planet. And the uh, podcasting, right? You're going to say something? No, I'm just saying a bunch of your friends from Denver and Cheyenne and yeah, I, Casper I, all listen in all the time. They do. And then we we get good podcast numbers, and we're so grateful for that we really are so there's a library there for you so we'd love it if you'd check that out at aroundthehouse.com and leave me an email and say hey if nothing more than hey merry christmas and i'd love to hear from any of you uh at the website aroundthehouse.com i just noted during the commercial break by the way chris did pull out his puffy duster looks like a swiffer or something started dusting a little bit in the control room i love that so come on in here uh in the next break and we'll do it in here too anyway we love our little studio here it's really handy chris is right across the um, there's an opening in the wall here with a sliding glass in it so i get to see him and chit chat it's kind of very convenient when i i didn't have when i did the denver based show of course i uh, it was kind of a remote studio i couldn't see anybody it's fun to have that sort of live uh, face-to-face interaction. Anyway, that's kind of inside baseball, as we say. 719-473-1240. Interesting question. I haven't seen this one before. Dave says, we have a new furnace. Is it more efficient to have the blower run at a higher speed during the winter? I know the motor has at least three speeds. Probably has more than that. But um, uh, no, you need to let the computer decide what speed it runs on because there may be a high and low for the gas valve it's hard to say if you run the furnace faster than it was designed it'll lower the furnace's efficiency the heating cycle would have to run longer each time uh we we use the higher speeds generally speaking this isn't always the case but generally speaking for air conditioning because cool air is much denser than warmer air so we need a little higher fan speed to kick that cold air around the house but i would let the computer decide and i would not mess with the with the furnace speeds in the in the winter time make sure you know the only uh, the only uh, control you have here is uh, to change that furnace filter often which makes the furnace very uh, much more efficient than if you have a, a a dirty filter of course i like those corrugated paper uh filters and um so you know th- yeah i would just not mess with it and it may not be adjustable anyway the modern computerized furnaces there are pretty much no homeowner adjustments in there anyway uh let's see here what do we got uh john says i'm having trouble with my garage door it goes up about four inches then quits doesn't do it all the time sometimes it goes up all the way and sometimes it doesn't i've lubed it still no luck can you help um i would advise you typically to call a professional company like my friends over there wayne dalton sales and service fooling with garage doors can be dangerous because the springs get highly torqued Cables are really uh, tight under a lot of tension and so on. If you don't have the right tools and experience, um, you could get in trouble and get injured, okay? So 
Uh, but you could try try this. There's a lot of nuts and bolts on this. If you, if you lower the garage door, look at it from the inside, there's a lot of nuts and bolts, a lot of little lag screws that hold the hinges on the door, that kind of thing. And so the door may be occasionally racking sideways out of true square. In other words, uh, we, we rely on the tracks to be perfectly lined up and plumb with each other. We rely on the door to be perfectly rectangular. And if it gets a little out of that perfect shape, it can get bound up and it doesn't take much to hang up that motor. So I would get a socket set and go around and tighten every single one of those uh, little lag screws on the surface that hold those hinges on you say you've lubricated it that's fine you want to lubricate each roller separately and each hinge separately a little liquid lubricant i like teflon spray but you could use wd-40 don't overdo it uh for, for if for no other reason than when the door is up you don't want the lubrication dripping on your car but we don't want to overdo it anyway just a little squirt here and there with a paper towel backup is, is the way to do that so yeah once the door is down and sitting on the concrete floor let's assume it's square or it's rectangular and plumb the way it's supposed to be in the opening start tightening up those those bolts one at a time uh, and and in terms of how tight i don't you know you could if you have a torque wrench you, you and i'm not sure uh just tight uh and and you know you get it get it so it just stops turning and then another quarter turn that sort of thing and when those are all tightened up then see if the door behaves itself and it may because it may not be racking itself out of the shape that it was engineered to be in in the first place now if that doesn't help uh that's about all you can do as a homeowner so uh then call my buddies over there at wayne dalton sales and service because uh they're um they're trained for this. Their guys are, you know, how to handle a garage door without getting uh, hurt because you can get, as I say, uh, hurt. And without any kind of notice, you can break a spring or a, a cable or something, and then you can get uh, you can get injured. So uh, there you go. That's a good question. But those nuts and bolts, as the door goes up and down, uh, you know, dozens of times uh, every week, you know, I'd say hundreds of times a month in many cases, those screws and bolts and nuts just tend to kind of loosen up over time. So uh, they need to be tightened from time to time. You can uh, take a little a lag screw socket and put it in your power drill if you want to do it that way or do it. I'd like to do it by hand. But anyway, tighten all those up, lubricate the rollers and the tracks, and I think you'll be all set. So I hope that works for you. Let me know. Seven one. Oh, we don't have time for another call anyway, Chris. So nope. we will um, actually. Say, I just wanted to add in yeah. a shout out here. Go ahead. Uh, my mom and dad, Norman and Joyce, are celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary today. Well, so happy, I wanted to uh, give happy a shout anniversary. Out to them. Oh man, that's great. Uh, Nor- Norman and Joyce. Yes. Well, a shout out from all of us here, especially your son. Uh, your beloved son is can we say beloved i guess we can't but happy anniversary that's wonderful chris thanks for mentioning that we'll see you next time have a wonderful week god bless chris moyer thanks again for your help in the control room we'll see you next time right here on around the house